many of you know that Pastor Caleb is on sabbatical. For those of you who are new, Pastor Caleb is our lead pastor, and he has served our church community for 15 years. And our board of directors has given him this time of rest, this extended time to spend time with his family, to be with the Lord, and just to be renewed. So while he is away, we've had some amazing guest preachers come and share God's word with us. And this morning, it is my honor to introduce to you Pastor Jared Doe. So Pastor Jared serves just down the street at Desert City Church. And what is really cool is God has done some amazing things to answer prayer for Desert City in this last season. See, Desert City was a pretty young church, and they were looking for some land and a place to set down roots. And so they were praying for that, and, and God provided this really cool space where there was another church called Paradise Church, and they had the land, they had the roots, and they were praying for pastoral leadership. And God was able to bring these two churches together for, uh, to merge into one community. And though I'm sure it's been hard, it's been beautiful to watch the way that God has just shaped this uh, church family together. So I'm super excited to have Pastor Jared with us this morning. I have recently learned he is a diehard Suns fan, so that's something to celebrate, right? So let's um, welcome to the platform, Pastor Jared Doe. Hello, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I grew up in this neighborhood, and so I have actually been able to observe Desert Springs for most of my life. And so it's an honor to be with you. Uh, I'm just so grateful for your faithful presence in this neighborhood, in this community, uh, over the life of this church. Um, I'm also honored to be here because Caleb is one of my dearest friends. And gotten to know him really well over like the last seven or eight years. I never in my life thought I would become such good friends with a Dallas Cowboys fan. But this is how the gospel works. We become friends with sinners and <laughs> people who have different values uh, than us. But I miss Caleb. I'm, I'm sure he's, he's missed here, missed his friendship, missed his leadership uh, in this community. And so it's, it is an honor to be here. And uh, I, I don't know, I doubt he's watching, but I just want to give him a shout out if he is. So um, I want to talk today about forgiveness. There is a play called The Black Angel. And it's a story about this man named Herman Engel, who was an officer, a general, in Nazi Germany during World War II. And after the war, uh, Herman Engel was sentenced to, to prison for the atrocities he had committed and overseen. He was in prison for about 30 years. And when he got out, when he was done serving his sentence, uh, he and his wife moved to this cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and we're just hoping to live out their days in peace. And there was a young French journalist by the name of Morio, and he had actually lost his parents, specifically under the command of Herman Engel. His parents were murdered. And when he found out that this man was getting out of prison, he wanted justice. He, he thought this man should have been sentenced to death for what he had done. 
And as a journalist, uh, he decides he's going to go to the cabin where this Herman Engel lived. And he ends up rallying all the people in the village around this cabin and tells them who is there. And the whole village is in uproar. It's like the scene out of Beauty and the Beast. And they go and they're going to they're gonna execute this man. They're going to bring about justice. And Moriu gets to the cabin first, and he wants, as a journalist, to just tell a little bit of the story of this Herman Engel, like fill in the dots, fill in the gaps, and also just hear this man who is just responsible for all these atrocities. And as Morio gets there, he sits down, he tells them, I'm a journalist, would love to interview you. They're having this conversation, and he realizes that uh, this Herman Engel is terrified of him. And as they're having this conversation and they're hearing, he's hearing the story of what happened, he, he's realized that this man who was once this, this general is this frail shell of himself. And he is just overwhelmed with grief. 30 years in prison has transformed him. And Moriu decides something about his hatred for this man and desire for justice gets contaminated with this thing called compassion. And he's like, we can't do this to this man, this old man and his wife. We can't just murder him, seeking justice for what had happened all this time ago. So he tells Herman, he says, I have to get you out of here. There's actually a mob that is coming, and I was sent here to hold you here until they got here because we wanted justice. But if you come with me, I'll get you and your wife out of here, and you can survive. And Herman Engel looked at him, realizing what was happening, assuming this is probably what was happening. And he said to Morio, I'll go with you under one condition. You have to promise that you will forgive me. You have to promise that you will forgive me for what I've done. And I'll go with you. And Morio said, no, 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 no. I'll help you escape. Out of pity, I'll help you escape but I, I could never forgive you for what you've done. And Herman doesn't budge, doesn't leave. The mob shows up, takes justice on Herman and his wife. It's a heavy story, a dark story, and a reminder that forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is incredibly challenging. Forgiveness is something that we learn how to do as children, and we can spend our whole life figuring out. And I have found as I've gotten older, it doesn't get easier. And the more time that passes from something that's happened, does it make it easier? I, with all of our technology, with all of our medicine, forgiveness is just this primal thing humans go through from the beginning of time. And it's incredibly challenging. And if you've ever been wounded or hurt deeply or betrayed, you know how difficult forgiveness is. Forgiveness is also something that is essential to our walk with Christ. Forgiveness in Christianity, forgiveness and following Jesus go hand in hand. And yet it's something that is incredibly difficult to participate in. Incredibly difficult to do. I love that quote from C.S. Lewis. It sounds like a great idea, right? This is something that is unique to us as followers of Jesus. We should be people who are forgiving until you have to forgive someone of something. 
It's not easy. Jesus has some words about forgiveness, and the text that we'll be in today is in Matthew chapter 18. If you want to turn to that, I think we'll have the words on the screen as well. But starting in verse 21, it says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if a brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. This might be a passage that you're familiar with. When Peter approaches Jesus, I, I think Peter's trying to, to show off how generous he is when he, well, it's so weird that he throws out a number. If someone's sinned against me, uh, a brother or sister has sinned, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? He's probably commenting on, on some test, Old Testament law that requires a certain amount of Forgiveness, some scholars say that it, you were required three times to forgive, so Peter's doubling that and adding one just, you know, for good measure. And then Jesus hears that, and he sees what Peter's doing, and he actually takes it and he expands it. And he comes up and says, 77 times. Like, he, he takes it and he just, he, he, he like multiplies what forgiveness, how forgiveness should be offered. And again, people think maybe he's commenting on Genesis 4 and the story of Lamech, but but what Jesus is doing is, is whatever you thought forgiveness was about, with, with the pre, in the presence of Christ, it is expanded to so much more. And then Jesus tells this story. Verse 23, he says, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord offered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and the payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Then out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. Verse 28 says, but the same slave as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, or denarii. If you want to mispronounce it correctly, you could just say denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. And then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience on me and I will pay you. The same line that he had just used. But he refused. Then he went and he threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported it to their Lord and all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do with every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus tells this story, and it's a parable. And what we find with the parables of Jesus so often is he's communicating this, this mystery of how the kingdom of God works in this world. And where Peter takes this issue of forgiveness and he wants to like, he, he wants to turn it into like this formula 
what, what happens with so many of the parables is it, it surprises us with how God is at work. And the parables create this tension. The, the parables point us to this other reality of the kingdom of God here. It creates this tension that we live in. It creates these characters that we, we identify with, that resonate with us. And this story is one of radical forgiveness. And this story mysteriously ties the idea of being forgiven and extending it to others together. A couple observations. You have this, you know, king in the story that represents God. And the king uh, we find is, is powerful. The king can do whatever he wants. And he lets this guy off the hook. And the details that Jesus throws in there are interesting. The 10,000 talents, a lot of translations say 10,000 bags of gold. Uh, what, what many of the commentators will say is a, you know, a talent is, is made up of something like, uh, what is it, 6,000 denarii. And, and so 6,000 denarii make up one single talent. And in this day, if you're working, you probably make one denarii a day or six a week. So it would take 10,000 weeks of work just to make one talent. And so this debt that this man owes, I have, I mean, he's definitely not a Dave Ramsey fan. I mean, he is, this is like Squid Games type debt, right? Like he's done. His life is over because of what he owes. He could never repay back this debt. It's impossible. And the king decides to forgive him. What he deserves the king has mercy, lets him off the hook. This man has received an incredible gift of new life. His debt is forgiven. And yet it doesn't do anything with him. It doesn't resonate inside of him. He completely misses the transformation, the transforming power of mercy. The first thing he does he goes out and he finds someone who owes him something and he's unable to repay. There's a couple of actions that take place, right? There's this act of receiving, receiving the the forgiveness, but there's this act of releasing that we see from the king. He, He releases this man and he releases the punishment for what he's owed. And then there's this act of refusing that this slave, he refuses to extend the same forgiveness and grace and mercy that he receives. So there's this receiving and releasing and refusing. Refusing to extend forgiveness. Something that has not connected inside of this man with what has just happened to him. And then we find this harsh ending. And Jesus ties us understanding what it means to be forgiven with how we live life in the kingdom. In fact, there's another place where it talks about refusing to forgive. Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has this statement that can be confusing and, and there's context around it, but he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus ties this, something mysteriously tied between us receiving and releasing. 
receiving and extending, and those who receive and then refuse to have forgiveness with other people. Jesus, there's something mysteriously tied here. Jesus connects these two things. When we refuse to forgive, when we refuse to let other people to have mercy on them, to have grace, when we're willing to receive forgiveness from God and not extend it, there's something here that isn't healthy, that doesn't allow us to live life and to flourish. I love what Anne Lamont says about it. Unforgiveness, when we refuse, when we hold on to something, it does something to our soul. It's like, it's like drinking rat poison and expecting the other person to die. But really, it, it squelches life inside of us. Going back to that play of the black angel, there's a author that was commenting on that named Louis Smedes, and he says of this French journalist, Moriou, he was not able to forgive Engel because his hatred had become a passion too long lodged in his soul. It was lodged in his soul. And Moriou could not live, could no longer be the person he was without his hatred. He had become his hatred. His hate did not belong to him. He belonged to his hate. Something that when we refuse, when we bottle it in, when we hold on to it, something inside of us can't flourish. There's this refusing that happens with this slave who has received forgiveness. And then there's this releasing, this extending of forgiveness to someone else. As a young pastor, I remember one of the, the things that, that really just uh, transformed my heart uh, was walking alongside someone who had gone through just a terrible abusive relationship and decided to forgive. And as I had heard the story of this person, this woman who had, had talked about the process of forgiveness, uh, it, it was it, like she had every right to, to not forgive and to seek justice. And as I heard the person's story and the, the way she described what had happened to her and how she wanted to control justice with it was, she said, I, I keep this person inside of my soul and there's this prison that I keep them in. And they deserve to be there. Because of what they've done to me, I, I can control the situation by, by keeping them in the prison of my soul. They're my prisoner now. We will never have another a relationship again. She said, I got to a point, though, after years and years of holding this person captive and prisoner in my soul, and I realized I can keep them there, and that's where they deserve to be. But if I keep them there, I have to continue to feed them. To keep them alive as a prisoner, I have to continue to feed them. And after years of feeding them, I realized I am tied to this in a way that doesn't allow me to flourish in life. And I could keep them here, but if I release them, I no longer have to feed them. Forgiveness isn't easy. For this person, she described, forgiveness was myself being freed, allowing this person to go. 
Now, a couple things that forgiveness isn't when we talk about such things is it releases us as well as the person. But when we forgive, uh, there's a couple things that it's not when we talk about just those really heavy acts of forgiveness. It's not just forgetting what's happened. That might be controversial to say. Forgiveness doesn't mean you just forget. It means it changes how you remember. But it's not just saying what happened to me wasn't a big deal or doesn't exist. When we forgive someone, it doesn't, it's not condoning what has happened. It's not accepting or even approving of what has happened. And so when we talk about forgiveness, it doesn't mean that all the things that have been done to us is okay. It also doesn't mean that when we forgive, it's just all better all of a sudden. Corey Ten Boom has written a lot on forgiveness, what forgiveness is, what forgiveness isn't. She was in a concentration camp in World War II. And she described forgiveness as like, you're ringing this church bell with this big rope. And when you're ringing the bell for years and years, forgiveness is letting go of the rope. But after you let go of the rope, there's still energy there. And every now and then you continue to hear the gong of the bell back and forth. And it slows down over time. But forgiveness doesn't just mean it's all over and it's all easy and it's done. There's this process of forgiveness. But I have found life with Christ. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is an act of the cross. Forgiveness is an act of the cross. And here's what I mean by it. When, when we look at what Jesus has done for us, and we, we look at the story of the king that releases this slave, and you, you look at the cross and you think, well, why did Jesus have to do that? Why does he have to go to the cross? I get the story from young people all the time. Like, if he's God and he could just snap his fingers and make everything better and forgive us, why the action of the cross? Because forgiveness is about the cross. And if you have ever forgiven somebody who has truly hurt you, if you have ever forgiven someone who has deeply wounded you or betrayed you, you know that you can't just snap your fingers and say you're forgiven. To forgive someone requires an action that is painful because something inside of you has to die. Something inside of you has to, to, to let go of, of desiring vengeance. Because you can't just say you're forgiven. Because pain is the currency of forgiveness. Words are not the currency of forgiveness. And if you've truly forgiven somebody, you know. You can't just say, I forgive you. There's something deep inside of you that hurts to do that. And if we want to know about the forgiveness of God... He doesn't just say you're forgiven. We see the action of Jesus going to the cross, the pain he endures to forgive us of a debt that we can never repay. We could work our whole life and not repay it. And the cross reminds us of the pain Jesus goes through. And what that does for us is not only do we receive forgiveness from God for what we've done, but all of the things that have been done to us, what I have found as a follower of Jesus is to trust the cross that this is where everything that deserves punishment, everything that we desire vengeance, 
God is making right in this world with the cross. We trust the cross for our own salvation, but the cross empowers us to be forgiving people. It disentangles us from those evil acts that have been done to us. There's power at the cross. The other thing that forgiveness is, is forgiveness is an act of resurrection. Because what forgiveness does is it creates space for new life. In situations we thought were dead, in situations that were buried, in situations we thought was hopeless, we are people of the cross and resurrection. Forgiveness is mysteriously tied to our salvation and how we act in this world. And forgiveness is difficult. Today, as we get ready for the holiday season, after a crazy 18 months to two years, where we live in this culture that is incredibly divisive and full of outrage, and it has split churches and families, Maybe today we need to just come to the cross and forgiveness meets us there. With whatever we're carrying, maybe, maybe we have this debt that we are carrying and we need to stand before God and say, be patient with me, have mercy. And for the cross, Jesus meets us with forgiveness. And maybe we're holding on to something that we need to release and it's not easy. It doesn't mean that we condone what has happened. But we're setting something free inside of us that we no longer have to feed. I'm not sure where you're at today. But the story of the cross, the story of resurrection, forgiveness sets us free. We're going to close our time with communion. Communion is this sacred symbol that represents this act of our God who is forgiving. If you've got elements with you, we do this at our church too. I call these our pandemic-friendly communion elements. If you're online, you could grab elements at your home. This top little layer of plastic, if you open that up, you'll find the bread. But as we take communion today, I want you to just hear these words about the sacred act that reminds us of the love of Christ, how we are forgiven, how we are invited to be a forgiving people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul's writing and he says these instructions on the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, Think about that line. On the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take a few moments here. And when you're ready to receive, 
the forgiveness God has for us, the way of living that he invites us into is possible because of his death on the cross. We take this bread that represents his body, broken. Let's take this together, church. We take this cup, we're reminded of his blood that is shed on the cross. We're reminded of the pain he endured to make a way that our sins are forgiven. Let's take this cup together, church. Let us pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your love for us. We're so grateful that you are a forgiving king. We acknowledge how difficult forgiveness is. Lord, today I just ask that you would meet us with healing that you would give us the courage to release, that you would surround us with community to walk alongside us in the midst of those painful experiences, that you would transform our hearts, Lord. It's in your name we pray.